From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And we have two new forecasts to chew on this week. We have a new estimate for the mega issue of raising the debt limit to see how much time is left before that action must be taken. And we have another frightening long-term forecast of the budget. We'll get into all that. And joining me to do that today is Peter Cohn, the editor, tax and policy editor, budget editor of CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Pete. Thanks, David. So let's start with the debt limit because it's the overriding fiscal challenge of the year, really. The Congressional Budget Office issued a new forecast for how much time remains before the debt limit has to be increased before we get into trouble. So what's the latest? Uh, Well, I mean, the latest is not really unexpected. The CBO is pretty much in line with all the private sector analysts who looked at this and looked at the, the estimates of Treasury's cash coming in, going out, the extraordinary measures, which are these accounting maneuvers like suspending the investment of, of government uh, trust funds. And uh, they looked at it and said, okay, we probably have until about sometime in the, what they say, what they call the fourth quarter of this fiscal year, which is July through September. So, you know, they say, okay, if April tax receipts come in a little softer than it, than they currently expect, maybe that gets moved up into June. Uh, and if you remember, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said, we've got at least until early June. After early June, I can't really guarantee that something's not going to go haywire, uh, that we, we might potentially miss a payment of some kind if the debt limit is not raised or suspended uh, or waived you know, in some form by that, by that point. So the Treasury is being very cautious, being, being conservative, saying, look, we know at, at a minimum we can get till probably maybe the, the first week of June. After that, all bets are off. Okay. Treasury is purposely doing that so they can light a fire on Capitol Hill to get something done in plenty, in plenty of time without, some re- for some reason, going over that magical, what they call the X date when somebody's in danger of, getting, of not getting paid. Right. So- but CBO is more, you know, they're nonpartisan, they're objective, they look at it and say, okay, realistically, we're probably looking at sometime between July and, and September, which given the congressional schedule, probably means Congress better get it together before the August recess. And then you get into September and, you know, then you got to deal with the government funding deadline, uh, September 30th. So, you know, and there's talk on Capitol Hill also of melding those two deadlines. So that, you know, dealing with them both, ripping the Band-Aid off all at once, passing a stopgap, continuing resolution, and dealing with the debt limit. And, you know, and, and you know, it could be a short-term patch, as we've talked about, as we've reported. There's discussions on Capitol Hill going on right now of, okay, let's just buy ourselves some time, do a temporary suspension for a few months, uh, and deal with both of these issues sort of gradually so we're not you know, up against this one hard and fast black and white deadline, boom, you have to go or terrible things are going to happen to the economy. It's just, this would sort of you know, extend that time frame a little bit out. Yeah. But it does sort of remain a guessing game as to how much time remains before the debt limit has to be increased. I mean, the CBO gave themselves a lot of leeway here by saying it could be any time from July to September. And then even that came with qualifiers and said, actually, it could even be before July if 
you know, April income receipts are lower than expected. A lot of qualifiers in there, they stressed how much uncertainty there is in the forecast. That's not a criticism of them. It's just, I'm sure this is very hard to gauge exactly when the money runs out. But it does leave Congress with, you know, it's it's a pretty hazy picture here of, of how much time do they really have, right? Well, this is the way it always goes, David. Every single time we've been in one of these situations, it's always a guessing game. Right. And so Treasury will 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 put out, you know, gradually as things as it gets closer and, and the picture becomes clearer for Treasury, they will put out additional letters. Uh, Secretary Yellen will start sending more letters up to Capitol Hill with, you know, putting a finer point on when Treasury really thinks action will be needed. Uh, and then what what happens then is when Treasury starts to really narrow that that timeline down, that's what the market, the financial markets really start to focus on. And so as we get closer and when the headlines in the news are still very negative, oh, Schumer says, um, you know, the Republicans are horrible and McCarthy says the Democrats won't negotiate and blah, blah, blah. You know, the more those headlines start coming out, the more the market starts to gyrate in a very negative way. And that starts to put pressure on policymakers to do something. So, you know, this is the way it always goes. The Treasury will put out their estimate, their timing estimate, uh, and then they'll update it and say, oh, whoops, sorry, we actually have an an extra month before something really needs needs to get done. So it's just not an exact science. Right. And I'm sure if if the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen had her way, Congress would would raise the debt limit tomorrow because just they doing don't it right exactly. They, I mean that that's the position of every Treasury Secretary going sure. back to you know Henry Morgenthau. It's you know I do it now. Do not wait. There's no reason to wait. Right. And, you know, like course, the certainty of of not having to worry about this, uh, yeah. and of course what's holding it up is is not so much writing the legislation to raise the debt limit. That part's easy. It's it's under what conditions will Congress will Congress agree to do it? And we still have this huge fight where Republicans are insisting on spending cuts as a condition for raising the debt limit, and Democrats are resisting that. And we still see both sides pretty dug in on those on those positions. You know, David, it's interesting. It's uh, there's there's always a tendency in these types of situations to for us in the media and for commentators and pundits and you know, lobbyists and, and analysts to, to always say, oh my goodness, the sky is falling. This time is different. You know, terrible things are, are bound to happen, right? Because, you know, that that's, that gets you clicks, right? It sells newspapers. It gets you out there. If you're a talking head, it gets you on TV to say that. It's very interesting. But, you know, this, this time is rarely ever different. And, you know, I'm not sitting here saying, you know, guaranteeing that, Everything's going to go smoothly, but Congress is going to raise the debt ceiling. Okay, I mean it's just the book. There's no yes, and both parties, both parties have said that repeatedly. They they that they do intend to raise the debt. No one's no one's predicting. uh, You know, there's no yeah. There's no alternative to to raising or or suspending the debt ceiling. So the only question is how close do they get to that magic? You know, what they call the X date, and how much gyration there is along the way. How much you know interest rates go up in the in the short term and things like that. That's really the only question. And um, you know, there's going to be a, a ton of noise about this and a lot of really you know dire you know. And we're we're going to be just as guilty as everybody else in saying you know Congress had a stalemate and things like that. You know, as it gets closer. But you know, this time is really rarely 
ever different. No, I think in the end, we know the debt limit will, will be increased. The question is, how, how do they get there? And, and how stressful is it? And, and what kind of market, as you said, what kind of uh, market impact does it have uh, as, as they drag this out? Because each side is going to seek maximum leverage before finally agreeing to the deal, right? So that's why this is going to take a while, because Republicans are going to want to test the waters and see how much they can get in the way of any kind of spending cuts or fiscal reforms that would satisfy their base that's hungry to show how conservative they are on on the fiscal front. And Democrats are just as eager to ward off spending cuts and and do a clean debt limit increase, which I think is clear really isn't going to happen totally clean. But how much would they have to give away in the end to make this happen? Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, really, the, the really the only question right now is what happens with fiscal twenty four appropriations, because we know they're not going to do anything on on the big ticket mandatory spending programs, the biggest drivers of government debt and deficits, Social Security and Medicare. We know that they both sides have taken that off the table right now. There's some talk about doing some things on some of the other mandatory programs, whether it's food stamps, now called the supplemental nutrition. Uh, assistance program, uh, maybe some tweaks around the edges of, of some other programs. You've got a farm bill coming up this year where some of those discussions are happening. Um, but really, the main question is, what do we do about appropriations for the upcoming fiscal year? I mean, that's really where the rubber is going to meet the road. That's why they're talking about short-term patches that extend the debt ceiling, uh, suspend the debt ceiling temporarily while they hammer out a deal on on appropriations. Because, I mean, everyone, they're just all, when they're talking about uh, how dire the fiscal situation is, they're all of them, they're just whistling past the graveyard. I mean, we saw this at Biden's State of the Union address when it was a shouting match over uh, who, who is going to, uh, you know, be nicer to seniors, basically. You know, who is going to cut less from Social Security and Medicare, right. which are easily, the, and mostly, mostly, mostly the healthcare programs, mostly Medicare. But Social Security is certainly a driver as well. And, you know, in the meantime, interest payments on the debt are exploding. And uh, revenue, I mean, look at the latest CBO baseline that came out this week. Uh, it's just since May, just economic changes alone through the higher inflation we've seen and, and changes in the economy, and, and changes in the economy, revenue is over $900 billion higher. You know, I mean, it doesn't even have anything to do with the tax increases they passed in the um, what they call the Inflation Reduction Act. And by the way, inflation is higher since that forecast after the Inflation Reduction Act passed in, in CBO's baseline. But in any event, you know, all of this is, is absurd because discretionary spending controlled by the appropriators really has very little to do with any long-term budget problems. But that's where the fight's going to be. And that's yeah. going to determine what happens when, you know, with the debt ceiling this year. Which is always the frustrating position that Congress finds itself in, Pete, because they they get they get you know so frustrated by these rising deficits but as the cbo will tell you it's it's the entitlement programs that are causing these structural deficits we have an aging country and rising healthcare costs and those are pushing up the cost of social security medicare medicaid along with interest payments on the debt now that interest rates keep rising and that those are the structural deficits that i see are now going to go Instead of trillion-dollar annual deficits, they're going to be approaching $2 trillion annual deficits over this coming decade. Eye-popping, and that's where the frustration builds to do something about it, and yet everybody's afraid to touch the entitlement programs, and so they, 
they focus on discretionary spending, which is only about a third of the federal budget, right? But then they they want to try to go in and and slash discretionary programs, no matter what they are, uh, just to show that they're they're trying to be fiscal conservative, and yet after whatever cutting they do, it's unlikely to make that much of a dent in these big structural deficits that we're facing. Yeah. I mean, discretionary spending is, is the easy thing to do. Cause I mean, think about it. It's discretionary. <laughs> you know, I mean, Donald, right. for, former president Trump's uh, budget director, uh, Russ vote. He, um, he's a very conservative guy. He's runs a think tank now, former Capitol Hill staffer. He put out a budget that is getting a lot of attention from conservatives on Capitol Hill right now. It sort of lays out the kind of, you know, make America great again philosophy uh, of his former boss. And that's their, their budget policy is you do not touch those benefits for seniors. Those are earned benefits. Okay. You cannot go and, and try and say, you're going to take away those benefits. If there is, meanwhile, there's all this frivolous so-called discretionary spending in the federal budget. That's like, you know, he makes this point. You don't you don't choose to not pay your mortgage, but you might choose not to go out to eat and you know and go and go get that pizza because you can may, maybe cook something at home, right? I mean, it's the discretionary programs that have to be cut. Now, of course, and that's a lot the of, problem. That's yeah. the problem. You can you can forego the pizza, but forgoing the pizza just isn't going to save you much money in terms of right. paying off your mortgage. That's true. I mean, it's yeah. just just it's it's more symbolic than anything. Exactly. Else. Exactly. But, you know, but that's where a lot of these Republicans are now. That's sort of the way Trump has remade the party to think about that. I mean, this is not the, the Paul Ryan, um, you know, uh, path to prosperity budgets from the early 2010s anymore. I mean, they're, they're, they're beyond that now. They've sort of thrown that out. There are still some who, are, who believe that that's the way to go, ultimately, that, you know, realistically, you have to go after some of those programs, Mitt Romney and others. Uh, and some on the House side as well. I mean, Jody Arrington, the new Budget Committee chairman, has been pretty clear about this. But he's got to he's got to be where his his caucus is, and his caucus is not going after those big ticket um, mandatory programs for seniors. So you know, we're left with these discretionary programs, and of course, there is a lot of valuable government programs within the so-called discretionary budget. We call it discretionary, but I mean, this is everything from the EPA to the Department of Defense, right? Uh, you know, all these agencies, this is all discretionary spending that, you know, programs for everyday uh, Americans and, you know, Democrats in the Senate are just simply not going to allow. And frankly, about half the Republicans in the Senate, too, are just not going to allow cuts of this magnitude to happen. So, you know, I think you're probably looking at, you know, unfortunately, if you are government program managers or stakeholders who rely on these programs, contractors and so forth, you probably are looking at a series of short-term patches, um, both for the debt limit and for the continuing resolution, kind of continuing things out. And you may even see some slight cuts because House Republicans are talking about passing a CR that will actually reduce spending across the board from the current levels by, by a little bit. Not as much as they'd like, but a little bit. And they do it kind of across the board in a mindless way to, you know, to try to force people to the negotiating table. Um, now, there's other ways to do it too. Back in 2011, you know, people forget before the whole debt ceiling battle in 2011, there was a government shutdown fight. <laughs> we didn't actually shut down in April 2011, but there was a series of sh very short-term CRs that each one of them took out a big, a chunk of unspent money that had been appropriated by the previous Democratic Congress. 
So, you know, you could see a scenario like that. I mean, and they're already talking about, well, there's 100 billion unspent COVID relief funds out there. So, you know, that could be probably the first place they look when we get into this over the summer yeah. um, or, or early fall. But let's talk about this this 10-year budget outlook that that came out this week, Pete, from the, from the CBO, because it was kind of striking. I mean, and it does show how radically these 10-year forecasts can change in a matter of months. Um, you know, I, I was struck that their projections for deficits over the coming decade have jumped about 20% higher just from nine months ago when the last forecast came out. Never mind, you know, this is, these are supposed to be 10-year projections. And in a matter of months, what they what they forecast is is way out of date because you know that's not a criticism of the agency it's things change congress passes legislation economic conditions change and projections change and that's what happens but but boy is that a major change 3 trillion dollar higher deficits over the coming decade than was forecast just 9 months ago back in may yeah spending's up by about 4 trillion just since may uh, in the 10 year forecast uh, revenues up by over 900 billion because that's really a result of um, of, in, of inflation and and a little bit higher uh, economic growth. Even though revenue is starting to decline a little bit just year over year because of capital gains, the market would have just had this huge, you know, jump in 2021 and then a big drop off last year. So, you know, the capital gains are starting to kind of get more normalized. But revenues, you know, this you know, Republicans make this point all the time. Revenue is way up. Revenue is, is higher than it was before they passed the um, the Trump you know the Trump tax cuts. Uh, revenue as a percentage of GDP is is higher than it has been historically. So look, they say spending well, it, is it's up, but not as high as spending is up. <laughs> spending is up by four trillion. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, of revenue is up, but if it's not keeping up with all the spending, it's yeah. not going to do you much good. Right. I mean, I'm just saying. Look, I mean, I'm just saying these are the arguments that you're you're hearing from from both yeah. sides. You know, and. Uh, I mean, so of the spending, um, about a trillion and a half of it is due to legislation that's just pa- passed since May. That's you've got the omnibus that passed in December, the fiscal twenty three funding package. You got the uh, the PACT Act, the veterans. Yeah, the veterans, I think, was the major program. new expense. That, yeah, that that's a major. Right. Yeah, that's this, a major this, one. This There's is, some short term spending in the so called you know inflation reduction act. And, so. and this we should just explain is just to help veterans easier access to to disability benefits, health benefits for being exposed to these toxic burn pits uh, overseas at, at camps that the troops were using. Uh, this was a major new benefit for veterans and very costly. And that really did that really did uh, explain a big chunk of why their deficit projections now are much higher than just nine months ago. Yeah. I mean, that's almost 800 billion right there, just from yeah, that long. That's, so, that is pretty um, big. Yeah. That's a big chunk. But, you know, I mean, interest pay, interest Payments uh, projections are up. I mean, inflation's up. Yeah. Uh, so interest rates clearly way up. So and I do you know, have to harp on the on the interest, Pete, because I, I look at that line in the in the in the forecast, and it is staggering how much we pay now it, just in interest on the debt. This current year, if I'm reading this right, six hundred and forty billion dollars in interest on the debt. That's that's huge, and it's going to double over the coming decade. Um, I mean, think about, you know, we'll be up to $1.4 trillion a year, just an in interest on the debt. That's not money going to programs. That's money going out the window just to finance the debt. I yeah, mean, if you, it does and- show the cost of debt. I mean, it, it, obviously you can live with debt, but it does show the huge cost we pay. I mean, talk about a way, an inefficient way to run 
programs, when you pay that much in interest, <laughs> you know, just think of your credit card. If you're paying that much out the door in interest, it's a huge expense and it's, it's really rising fast. Well, there's only one thing to do about that. You can't legislate interest. The only way you can legislate away interest payments is by, is by uh, running a primary surplus, a, a surplus right. where all of the other spending in the government, non-interest spending is in line with revenue. And you got to keep doing that. You, you got to have a surplus for a period of well, years. And, right. And that explains buying Congress's in. It's a must pay item, right? You have to pay the interest on the debt. There's no getting around that. Congress doesn't really have a choice not to pay that. And so, so they're saddled with that cost every year that keeps growing. I mean, it, and it, it does help explain these structural deficits here that we're facing um, that, that really are staggering because when, you, you know, next year over $700 billion in interest, you're talking about the Pentagon budget right there. I mean, you could double the Pentagon budget if you didn't have that interest looming over you. Well, I don't know how many people on Capitol Hill are really interested in doubling the Pentagon. No, budget, no, so. no, I'm not that just, um, I'm just I'm just by way of reference just suggesting how much how much more could be done in programs or given back to taxpayers in the form of tax cuts either way. Um Yeah, if, I think both of those I think David, I think what you're expressing there is uh something that um you will really never see happen uh realistically. I mean, Democrats are not going to allow that money to go back to Taxpayers um, and Republicans are not going to allow that money to be spent. So, you know, in a, in a way, the interest payments that we have are kind of a, a limiting factor on both parties. Um, for you know, to, it kind of limits their ambitions a little bit in a way. So, you know, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying that's a good thing. It's not a good thing to pay be paying all that money out in interest. But you know, it, talking about it is kind of pointless. The only thing you can do about it is to run a primary surplus. And, you know, that's not going to happen until, I mean, Republican, some of the House Republicans are talking about passing, you know, trying to do a balanced budget this year, which would require, I mean, the kind of cuts they're talking about without, you know, touching the two largest programs, Social Security and Medicare. It's just completely, you know, politically impossible to do that. So, you know, we're going to be living with these interest payments for a very long time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you look at it also, there, there's another way to look at it, David. And, you know, the Federal Reserve is is a massive, massive player in the treasury bond market. Uh, you know, they've been, they've been unwinding their position a little bit as part of this quantitative tightening that they've been doing since uh, early 2022. But if you look at the latest CBO numbers, I mean, they're predicting that, that the Fed is going to have to start ratcheting up their bond holdings after a few years of, of a decline. So by 2030, if you go rewind the clock to before the pandemic, before you know five trillion went out the door for pandemic relief, you look at fiscal 2030, for instance. I was just looking at this this morning. Okay, you 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 look at how much debt, treasury debt, the tr the Fed held back in before the pandemic. It was a little shy of two and a half trillion. All right, by 2030, let's just say that, you know that was that was kind of it was going to stay around that mark, assuming it was going to stay around that mark for the next decade. All right, before the pandemic, before the extraordinary quantitative quantitative easing programs we've had. Now CBO in their forecast this week thinks that after a little period of, of the decline in that in those holdings, the Fed's holdings of treasuries are going to go back up to about six trillion by 2030. So you look at debt as a percentage of GDP, just debt held by the public, meaning 
you know, not any of the government trust funds and not the Fed, true debt held by the public is in 2030 now forecast to be about, because GDP has gone up too. GDP in 2030 now is about 3 trillion higher than CBO forecast back in early March, 2020, before the lockdown started. Okay. Mm. So you, you back out the Fed's holdings of treasuries as a debt is a percentage of GDP held by the public outside the Fed, 92% of GDP in 2030. Rewind to March 2020, early March, when the CBO came out with, the, with the, their forecast, 90% of GDP in 2030. So if you look at it that you look at everything that's happened since March 2020, and you look at what's the economic changes, that the fluctuations, and it's really not that great of a difference because the Fed is such a huge, you know, they call it the Fed, the buyer of last resort. There's all this treasury paper out there in the world, you know, 20, what are we at right now? 24 trillion, right? 25 trillion. And the Fed will, can step in and, and hoover that up. Okay, and keep a lid on interest rates. Now they're not doing that now because they're trying to fight inflation. But the CBO forecast shows that economic growth is going to really slow down. Eventually, we're going to conquer inflation by about 2027. 20, and the Fed is going to be is going to start easing again. So the fiscal picture, if you take if you factor in the Fed, is really not all that different than it was before the pandemic, if you can believe that. Now, I'm not saying that in, over the long term, it isn't unsustainable. It likely is, given what's happening with yeah. the pro- Social Security and Medicare and I mean, healthcare. The CBO said it's unsustainable. Yeah. I mean, but that is entirely due to, I mean, yes, interest payments, but you can't do anything about that. What you can, and, you, and Social Security, right. what can you really do about that? People are getting older. There's nothing, you can't do that. You can't do anything about well, you can that. You raise so, payroll taxes, though. I mean, you... sure. Yeah. <laughs> you try that, right? Right. I mean, the Democrats can't even agree among themselves on who to raise payroll taxes on. Right. So, I mean, let alone agree with the Republicans. I mean, you may get something. There's some some bipartisan chatter in the Senate, but yeah, I mean. But the C- the CBO also did predict that as a as a percentage of the economy, the debt is going to break records. But by the end of the decade, like 118 percent of GDP, I believe. Right, but what I'm trying, what I'm saying, David, is is that generally in the in the medium to, in the short to midterm, that it's we're not. The, You're saying the, we'll be okay. Picture is right. not sustain is not radically different than it was even before the pandemic, and five trillion dollars went out the door, right. and we had a recession. You know, and we might end up back in another recession this year or next year. Uh, CBO's projections show that now, of course, those things don't take into account the expert, you know, the extension of, of the Trump tax cut. So we're probably going to see. Uh, but that was also that was also an issue back in, in CBO's early 2020 baseline too, because we knew these, you know, all these tax cuts expire at the end of 2025, and that Congress is most likely to extend a, a large chunk of those, same way they did with the Bush tax cuts. Yeah. But of course, Medicare, healthcare. I mean, these things, it's mostly healthcare and Medicare that are the long-term budget problems. Social Security too, and interest payments you can't do anything about except right. except push interest rates down and run a primary surplus. 
So the way to do that, everybody knows it, is is mostly on on healthcare and Medicare, and a little bit on Social Security too, if they can. But right now, and also CBO's forecast, I'll just end on this note. CBO's forecasts assume that Congress is just going to bail out those programs. So those elevated numbers in the CBO forecast just assume a, a cash bailout for Medicare and Social Security trust funds. So if Congress actually does anything to you know, make those programs more fiscally sustainable, then those projections are going to come down. Would improve, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see how much deficit reduction they can actually accomplish. Republicans are talking about trying to balance the budget in 10 years. We'll see what kind of budget plan they come up with. And President Biden has talked about reducing deficits, I think, by $2 trillion over a decade, which is only you know a fraction of, of the actual <laughs> deficit reduction that would be needed to bring it into balance. And we'll see what he comes up with to, to claim that much in deficit savings. All to come, but that's all the time we have for today. Uh, thanks again to Peter Cohn for joining me. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me, David. Good talking with you. And thank you all for listening. You can see all of our coverage of the budget forecasts and the debt limit at CQ.com and RollCall.com. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.